Okay, hi and welcome back to another We Do Science Guru Performance Podcast. This is episode 42, Uh, I think it's 42, and it's another special edition for the Epic Fitness Summit. And my guest today is Martin McDonald. Hi, Lauren. Hi, mate. (laughs) I I, I fear that I'm starting to become some sort of radio announcer, Um, (laughs) and you and I were just talking off air, it, it's uh, it's becoming a, a sort of a sad way of me of interacting with the the few people that actually I think I can talk to about this stuff. But um, to folks who don't know so much about you, um, of which there won't be many, because I'm sure most people know who you are, one way or the other. But could you just give <laughs> um, give us a quick intro as to who Martin McDonald is? Yeah, sure. Um, so my academic background was um, as many people I suppose on your show have been kind of sports science uh, as an undergrad and then I went on to do kind of specialize in um, performance nutrition and then clinical nutrition uh, as postgrads uh, and my work really I, I basically failed to get any jobs um, <laughs> <laughs> right and Next. Yeah, yeah. Don't, so don't bother listening to me, um, which, which is quite a funny thing because now being uh, you know a little bit successful and kind of mentoring some people, it's like oh I've got this job interview and I sort of say if there's anything you shouldn't take advice from me on is CVs and job interviews because I've never been successful. But um, yeah. yeah, so I essentially went um, self-employed straight away and. Um, uh, yeah, and from there, kind of Mac Nutrition, um, which is now my consultancy, um, which initially was just me. Kind of how I explain it is, is it was just a website like many personal trainers have. Um, and then, you know, I got a few lucky breaks because my background as well was in natural bodybuilding, you know, competed over five years and um, did everything wrong, as I kind of regularly tell people. But it it makes people think you must know something when, you know, it doesn't mean a whole lot. Um, and then uh, because of that, I got a few lucky breaks and then Mac Nutrition was able to turn into kind of a business with um, more than just me. And um, yeah, we hold contracts and, you know, I hold contracts with a number of different sporting teams. But now, you know, I do a few little things in kind of with brands and uh, food industry and um, kind of corporate stuff um, yeah so uh, my, sorry, quite so, ranging yeah no you've got loads of experience and <clears throat> that's why I've, I mean I've sort of known you on and off a bit you've lectured for us on the ISSM diploma you've got huge amount of strength behind you in terms of being I, I, I don't think you mind me saying this I mean you're you know you, you you're sort of quite independent in your thought processes uh, <laughs> and so on but I but actually I think that's important because too many people do sort of act like the sheep so to speak and, and sort of follow you know the, the, the latest trends or yeah. whatever the textbooks tell us and of course you you know it's only after years if not in your case it's you know it's turning into decades of, of experience and I've done that myself and you realize actually that that whilst it is important to get the right credentials and we all have experiences you know whether or not you start off as PTs and then become nutritionists or you know you you go I mean when I started I'm not sure how it was for you but 
sports science wasn't wasn't you know it was more like a training course for working in a leisure center <laughs> yeah i mean yeah that there was certainly a very broad um you weren't a sports scientist after studying a degree that's for sure mm. yeah yeah uh, i mean experience in, no... terms of, in terms of the thought process thing there's certainly um you know how you say about like an independent thought process like that's one of the things which i say is kind of a strength but there's also some of the drawbacks which i i suppose in to some extent i feel like i've been lucky to have a few people um just keeping me on the beaten track as it were because it is very i mean you and i both know there are people who go and you know do it themselves and they end up you know falling out of the team science um realm mm. and uh you know go a bit too wacky and um you know that they try to be so opposite from the sheep that they you know have ideas that really then just you know maybe make them money but um you know aren't very evidence based let's say and yeah. um but at the same time being a sheep i feel you know one of the things now that having kind of employees and running mentorships and having interns occasionally is having the ability to discuss with people is is great because it does you do question things more and you know I've ended up looking back at presentations I've done five six seven years ago and um, I mean you were even one that I posted about on the internet the other day from probably 10 years ago and uh looking at it and going, man, that's half of that's wrong, or at least misleading. Um, I was posting about the blood glucose stuff, mm. and, oh, you know, blood glucose crashes, uh, they make you sleepy. And I, you know, I sort of said, who would admit to saying that? I think maybe you favorited the tweet. Yeah, but I did, I, yeah. Uh, you know, that's something that you just kind of say, or at least I just sort of said, because everyone else does, but you never go, oh, what's hypoglycemia? What's the actual, you know, stuff like that. So pros and cons but i'd rather not be a sheep so yeah no, well i think well let's you know because i know you're speaking um in a few months time at the epic fitness mm. summit and you're going to be talking about the drug-free strength athletes diet strength uh, yeah. secrets from olympians because of course you work with the gb weightlifting team and yeah. a whole bunch of other things which we can delve into in mm. a bit but one thing i've always uh, noticed about you uh even though you might have your independent paths on this you you are absolutely solid when it comes to trying to look at the methods behind something and um um mm. you know the the i think the word evidence-based is highly abused um yes. and i know i know you i know you love my use of the word context context yeah <laughs> <laughs> or in your case it depends um <laughs> but you know and it, and actually that also gets taken a bit you know the wrong way too but um i i, I think it is important that people do actually stop and question why they're saying what they're saying because usually they don't. Um, yeah. And I see you saying that all the time. You know, stop, think. Yeah. What you know that paper? Well, did you even bother to read the paper? You know, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. How many people it don't. Just, I, I think that's one of the things with my lack of early success was um, that I just had lots of time on my hands, and people, you know, a lot successful people or at least people with jobs don't have time. And um, I think. You know, I applied for um, uh, like EIS, English Institute of Sport. I know what you know what that is, but 
um, internships, you know, very early on. Mm. And then, as I said, failed to get anything. And um, <laughs> I, th- I think if I had got those positions, I would be much worse off because you suddenly have admin, you have team meetings, you have the, all the politics, all these kind of things. Mm. And you don't have time to just sit down in your underpants and just read papers and, you know, like dissect everything. Um, that's not really an image I really want to stick with. <laughs> yeah. not, you know, but you know, generally yeah. that's... In your tracksuit yeah. bottoms. Yeah, yeah okay. <laughs> uh, sitting there in my tracksuit bottoms. But, you know, you know, getting up, not even getting out of bed and just starting to read research and these kind of things. Yeah. And, um, but... Uh, well, yeah, I think... I think the, I gonna... Yeah, I, I think it, 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 there's different ways around it, of course. You've, you know, the, the, those that have come out and got their degree, I think those internships with, for example, skills with EIS or um, you're now doing internships. Um, I've done a couple, but I don't have too much time for them. But yeah. um, they're, they're great. But either which way, you like you say, you still need to sit there and wonder why you've not got any clients or why yeah. you're working with someone who's no longer getting back in touch and 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 trying to reflect back on yourself as to as to as to why you're doing what you're doing, why you're saying what you're saying, and 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 understand that that this practice of being a sports nutritionist or performance nutritionist or a coach of any sort is is not just about the science that you learn, it, it's about communication and personalities and interactions and so mm. on, you know, and, and you just can't learn that really, which is why mentorships like yours is, is such a good idea. Yeah, and having kind of other spe- people speak into your practice is, uh, you know, it's really helpful to see, I mean, even having, you know, I invite a lot of constructive criticism about my work from anyone. And, and I, I even say on social media, you know, I'm, I'm really happy for people to question me. But having interns or, you know, even employees sit in consultations with you and then and then saying to them, what did, you know, give me some feedback. And obviously it's always too positive because they, you know, you're their boss. But um, I sort of say, yeah, but what did I do wrong? What would you do differently? And you know, even from that perspective, just having, uh, I heard a good quote the other day about um, a 10 years, 10 years of practice without reflection is the same as one year's practice repeated 10 times. Mm. And it's, you know, like, I'm going to start using that in the mentorship now, because without having that viewpoint of reflection, and, um, you know, being critical about things, you do, you know, you just end up repeating the same thing over and over. And you know, someone can say, "Well, I've got ten years' experience," mm. but it's you've just repeated the same thing that you're doing on day dot. Um, and I've just remembered what uh, triggered in my mind when you're talking about context, because mm. it is a funny one. Because you know, I I put those tweets out and uh, about. Uh, context being overused and those kind of things and obviously (laughs) people know that I'm being deliberately provocative but it actually came back because you know you've you know you've made context like this this buzzword but Mm. then people think that that they can just use it as almost a and what did I call it like a trump card as oh well no it depends on the context yeah and then I and what happened was there was someone who's quite you know they should they shouldn't be getting stuff so wrong, and they they questioned something I had said, 
And I said, oh, well, how's that? And they said, well, it's all about context, isn't it? And I said, okay, well, give an example. Mm. And then they didn't reply. And I thought, it's just ridiculous that yeah. it's like, oh, I've heard loads of clever people say that, and uh, I'll use it to try and win an argument. And it's like, well, if, yes, a lot of things do depend on context, but... Yeah. Well, that's the limits, of course, of Twitter. And, you know, it, it is amazing how many people try and, you know or get involved in some degree of significance in social media. I think, you know, Facebook or whatever is a different mm. thing, of course, but Twitter is an interesting one, isn't it? And yeah, you're right. I I mean, I like the word context, but it depends mm. in what context it's being. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you end up seeing Yeah. It. In fact, I'm doing a, Craig Sell and I are going to do a whole podcast all about context. Oh, but, really? Yeah. That's, but yeah. but the but the point of that is, is, is we are also going to get into just what you've mentioned, uh, which is, you, you know, you can't just use the word context. It, it, you've got to be able to justify what you're mm. saying. And that requires knowledge and experience and mm. a whole range of other things. But let's try and focus a bit then because you've got clearly lots of experience um both not just as a practitioner but also you you're quite a a self-experimenter i've noticed and and i think that's good because i mean realistically how can you honestly tell people to do stuff you've never even done yourself so i think that that that's awesome that that you've done that uh, I, i've tried and given up rapidly <laughs> some of these things myself but um, I mean, how important do you think it is, I, like in your case, for example, you work a lot with uh, body composition, transformation stuff, weight loss, you know, that sort of thing, not just not just elite athletes. And having had a sort of a, albeit, as you've said, a, a not entirely successful bodybuilding background, but um, drug-free, of course. Um, so how important has that experience been to you, you know, sort of up to, to now really yeah um i think it's really it's been hugely beneficial for me um in that you know i do admit that i did a lot of things wrong when i was personally dieting down but it i mean one of the initial things that it opened my eyes to is was things like the carbohydrate stuff so um like james morton said at icnc um in december he was talking about the boxers, I think it was, or maybe it was MM, or yeah, I think it was boxers. And he said, um, you know, it is amazing on how little carbohydrate that they can train on. Mm. And, um, and you know, there are a lot of people sitting there who I'm not sure they fully realized what was being said. Mm. And it, it was that realization that I could perform one or two training sessions per day on next to no carbohydrates. Mm. Um, and you know, people say, "Oh, you know, you can't train on low carbohydrate. You can't, um, you know." And, and understanding that you can lift quite heavy weights in quite a, a severe calorie deficit as well. Um, and uh, obviously, I would do things differently now. But understanding some of those things straight away made me, um, I suppose, separated me from the bandwagon of carbs, carbs, carbs. Yeah, and um, which you know, I think is probably one of the biggest, I think in the first episode of Real Nutrition Radio, we t I talked about, you know, all the different disciplines and what I think their biggest drawback is. And I think sports nutritionists, as they come out of um, masters, only really know to give people lots of carbs and not 
you know, some of the stuff that you're doing on the ISSN mm. about um, like low carbohydrate availability training, they just wouldn't, mm. you know, wouldn't even enter their mind. What? You know, you'd never eat, train without breakfast or no, you'd never go to, um, you know, restrict carbohydrate after training and those kind of things. But um, in terms of, yeah, the bodybuilding as well, knowing where I went wrong, just, and I suppose geeking out on, you really do, if you're trying to, if you're, well, to put it in context, if you're going to stand on stage in your, you know, posing trunks, waxed and tanned up, it gives you a huge motivation to leave no stone unturned in terms of your, um, you know, diet and supplementation and training. And, you know, I, I tried hundreds of different supplements. And, you know, and when, I mean, at Body Power last year, the guy who spoke before me, he was like, yeah, uh, green tea, there's the um, uh, the active thing in that called EGCG, epigallocatechin gallate. Um, and, and I'm saying that because he busted the words out to try to sound <laughs> clever. And I was just sitting there cringing, like, just because you can repeat that doesn't make you good. But he just said, honestly... Well, you, you burn more to- fat saying it than you do taking it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it was like, oh, yeah, this stuff literally just takes your body composition to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I was like, how are people sitting here not laughing? Because it only takes a week, two weeks of taking it to go, it didn't work. And then someone might go, well, everyone's different. And that's when it annoys me. Yeah. Oh, everyone's different. No, they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, they're not that different. It's not, oh, in one person, it'll make you lose 10 pounds of body fat. And oh, it didn't work for me. Um so I think that's the other thing. Having tried some things, having tried low carb, having tried, you know, very, very low fat, I, you know, you can, you've felt what things do. You know, actually changing your macros doesn't mm. seem to make that big a difference mm. to your um, body composition. Um, so, yeah, I think certainly in that extent, I don't think I, I spoke to someone who was applying for an internship recently and they sort of said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this because I can't tell an athlete to do it if I haven't done it first. And it was something really, um, I can't actually remember what it was, but it was maybe taking some supplement. Mm. And I kind of thought, actually, in on that micro scale, you, I mean, there's only one or two supplements I've actually, ever actually felt a benefit from. But that's not to say, you know, I know that there's four that are, have very strong research, for instance. Um, but testing on yourself you don't automatically go oh i can now tell an athlete how to use it but sure you know maybe with something like beta alanine it's probably good to take some so that you know what paresthesia actually feels like mm. um but but yeah so i feel like it's been really beneficial and um and, and it's also helped me to you know it's much easier to learn from mistakes um absolutely yeah as hard as it is to um, suck it up mm. it is easier you know you get that instant feedback rather than getting it you know learning it first time and think because you've never done it wrong so you don't know the flip side I suppose but having done it wrong I feel like I'm a bit more prepared to help others I suppose yeah I think it's important to have an understanding of what it's like to be your client don't you think like mm. so if you've never if you've never dieted or if you've never had to experience hunger or you know any of those yeah. things i think i think it's very difficult to counsel someone if you just don't share some of that um i yeah. I, I mean you know what i agree with everything you said i i i've made so many mistakes but 
it's also been my greatest learning experiences you know and, and mm. uh, you you do you 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 i think once you when you first start learning about nutrition sports nutrition the rocket science etc especially nowadays when there's so much of it and there's so many different influences be it from from more credible sources and your sort of journals and your you know in your sort of formal programs in, in college and whatnot but the twitter sphere and Facebook and so on. I mean, it's a pretty hot topic, this this sort of thing. And um, to go into another subject, actually, which I know you love, is this business of, uh, 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 you know, these various things result in increased fat burning. But of course, <laughs> because there's a massive difference between fat burning and actually losing body fat. And I, I, I guess I, I can see why it's confusing. Um, yeah, but, definitely. But if you're, you know, if, if you're going to do a fat, you know, let's say you do a fasted cardio session and you increase fat oxidation and blah, 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 blah. Obviously, that leads you to think you're just going to lose body fat. But if you overeat for the rest of the day, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, and the reason why you want to improve fat oxidation may have nothing to do with body composition. It might be more to do with improving fuel efficiency for endurance sports. Or yeah. whatever, you know, but people don't think about it. They just hear the word fat burning bang that's what i'm yeah. going to do you know like in the gym or i'm going to do the fat burning zone yeah, yeah but that doesn't mean you're going to lose weight especially whilst drinking lucasade or whatever yeah. and uh or sorry i shouldn't say that the the the, the non-mentioned brand sugary sports drink whilst holding onto a treadmill going uphill yeah uh, you know <laughs> yeah one of the um like it's i i suppose i i often say when i'm doing talks or um, you know, and anything in a public setting is like there's no because I make jokes about people, but I sort of say there's no judgment because it's because I'll fully admit to making loads of these m mistakes myself, and it is better when I have done because then it's like oh you're not calling me an idiot for thinking it or no more of an idiot than you are. So it's you know I I fully uh, believe that fasted cardio burn was good for fat loss when I was competing. Mm. The only issue for me was is I didn't like doing it, so I didn't. Mm. So I didn't actually ever do what I thought was good because I just hated the thought of walking on a treadmill. Um, so I did a few sprints actually fasted. But um, yeah, it it is that thing of it is so confusing. Mm. But, but actually, it's one of those things, once you know the answer, I don't understand how people... Um, don't get it because mm. once once someone explains it to you because it's just like well fat burning yeah i'm going to lose body fat but once someone explains to you about just literally throws say energy balance into the equation yeah. and like you said well if you overeat and you do fast cardio you know but even um if you do you know i suppose like the brad schoenfeld study fed versus fasted and calories are the same and energy balance is the mm. same mm. then then it's very hard and this is what I say to people. If you're going to argue that fasted is better for body composition, because people should be aware that there are good reasons to do fasted slash no carbohydrate training, but are more to do with, like you said, fuel selection or mm. training adaptations. But, um, and even potentially health, but I'm still undecided on that. Mm. Um, but, but for body composition, I don't, once someone's explained that to you, you know, someone needs to come up with a method by which it therefore defies the kind of energy balance equation. Is it 
somehow is it boosting your metabolism? Is it somehow, um, you know, or if it's affecting appetite? I don't even, do you know what, mate? I I don't even think we need to overcomplicate this stuff sometimes. I I think we, there's this, there's this need to explain away all the mechanisms behind stuff. And I, you know, I teach that to my students and I've, you know, when I go back to, when I first started getting into this stuff, I'll be the first to admit I didn't understand the mechanisms behind stuff. So, of course, because I wasn't properly educated to begin with. So, of course, you, you, you know, it sounds logical, therefore you go with it. But having said that, with things like the whole fasted cardio thing, I mean, it's pretty simple. Unless you're trying to win a race, you don't have to eat before you train. And mm. you could go and do your run, burn some calories, whatever you're maybe increasing mitochondrial biogenesis, whatever. But that's totally not relevant really to the average person but what it might mean is um you didn't eat before but you exercise you're still going to eat afterwards so if you'd eaten before and you exercised you're probably still going to eat afterwards therefore you saved yourself a meal um and therefore um in terms of your 24-hour energy balance you're just not eating as much i mean it's just you know less calories um you know and it's like the concept of intermittent fasting which i've somewhat championed uh, yeah, I spoke yeah. on your thing mm. and um it you know it's that exact concept of your and and they are there seems to be more research now or at least more interest in this whole the the time frame that you eat so out they're not really using intermittent fasting i don't think a great deal in their um in the language that they use, but it's about, well, it, the window that people eat in, if it's smaller, you know, has that got, you know, maybe one of the many, many factors within the obesity epidemic is that there's more hours that people are spending eating. Mm. And, um, and, and that's why I'm so anti the breakfast message, because the lack of evidence of, to make such strong recommendations and because of companies not mentioning any other than Kellogg's, do such um, huge pushes on you must eat breakfast. You know, this study showed this and they're completely misrepresenting the results. But, you know, because when people wake up not hungry, and I call it disempowerment, you know, Mm. um, that if someone believes that they must eat breakfast, but they wake up not hungry, you know, they end up choosing maybe a less... Uh, optimal for want of a better word choice for breakfast because it's like well I'm not hungry yeah. you know if I was hungry I might have some eggs or I'm you know mm. but but because I'm not hungry I'm gonna have Velveeta covered in mm. hazelnut chocolate and then it's oh well I ate breakfast and you know the advertising said it's good and they end up undermining their long-term goals of either weight maintenance weight loss health you know because they're basically eating hobnobs for breakfast yeah, I, I, I mean, I used to be, um, when you, you did a tweet about this and I stuck my hand up in the air, I'm definitely someone who used to advise everyone should eat breakfast. And, you know, and, and depending, you didn't. Yeah, I mean, and depending on the situation, it, 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 it can be a very sensible meal yeah. of the day. However, if you're primarily thinking about body composition, or well, fat loss in particular, you know, you don't have to have breakfast. It it it, it kind of boils down to obviously the twenty four hour energy mm-hmm. balance thing, which is not so simple as I've explored many times on this podcast. But you know, if 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 means if it means missing out breakfast, but you eat well for the rest of the day, you still get the right amount of calories over another four whatever ish 
meals and you're getting sufficient protein and so on. It's fine. Now, obviously, there are some people who have metabolic disorders, <coughs> um, massive problems with blood sugar or whatever. But in fact, it may even be advantageous to skip breakfast to sort out your blood sugar issues. So, mm. you know, obviously, seek advice as a caveat to that <laughs> statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but... This idea um, that you must eat, and like you said, what happens then is, is out of convenience, people will eat something as opposed to eating nothing out of that fear of not having eaten anything. So then they'll have their sugary cereal or whatever. And of course, now we, we now know um, the sort of the neurobiological response to this is mm. you're much more likely to overeat for the rest of the day, eat crap and various other mm. things because of the impact that that junk had for breakfast. So um, it's very much a context, it depends type conversation. But I think generally people shouldn't freak out. You know, um, I think logically, and I know I'm, I'm not a paleo person, um, but our ancestors may well not have had fridges or larders in their caves or whatever. Um, and they probably did have to go out and hunt and gather for a bit. And I think, you know, it worked for many, many of our ancestors, possibly. And um, I've I've tried it and I've I've certainly felt better for it as my N of one experiment, um, but some people train better if they've had breakfast. Some people are just fine. Uh, you know, I think other than trying to win a competition or whatever, we don't need to get our knickers in a twist, really. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, in terms of um, what you're talking about, the Epic Fitness Summit um, specifically, you're going to be getting into some of the sort of secrets, which I guess you can leave, keep a secret until you're actually speaking. Um, yeah. But what, what are the things that really stand out for you as, as, as being the performance nutritionist to Great Britain weightlifting, you know, working with, with people who compete at an international level? Um, I mean, what are, you know, what are the things that you have found that have been really important? Um, I suppose the... One of the, I suppose, funny things, well, one of the things I'm going to talk about at the conference is I'm going to try and um, explain maybe the theoretical perfect model um, if someone was a robot mm. and um, talking about, you know, how, and, and, and a lot of it, I suppose, is... Um, is is theoretical so so when we talk about something like muscle gain which isn't you know always the case for a strength athlete and i suppose some of the stuff i'll be talking about is anyone who wants to be strong for any reason but i'm going to draw on specific experiences from obviously weightlifting um which i'm sure everyone is aware of but it's clean and jerk and snatch mm. but then obviously the training behind that encompasses all sorts of stuff that we all do in the gym and then um paralympic powerlifting so that's bench press and um so so looking at a theoretical model and uh for instance i've used the term uh, or many have used the term but like the the theoretical model for maximal hypertrophy and we're talking about these you've spoken about it a lot on the podcast but about um regular feedings of protein and leucine and hitting a specific threshold and how many times a day you might do that mm. and um so in that in that way i'll then talk I, i'll try and but but i suppose the thing is to say about that is is that's that's still a you know a theoretical um perfect model and um so i'll 
try and do like a, the theoretical one for strength gain, which isn't synonymous. And this is, I suppose, one of the things I'm going to hone in on is hypertrophy is not synonymous with strength gain. Oh, uh, absolutely, yeah. Mm. And I know, like with with anyone who's got like the SNC and training background, you know, it's it's fairly well accepted that the cross sectional area of a muscle doesn't directly correlate with strength, but it's a, there's a high correlation. I don't know, fifty percent sounds about right, mm. and. Um, this in the same way actually the diet for a strength athlete can be really quite different and i'll probably i'll have to clear it with the athletes but i might post some of their diets and i think some people will be amazed at what some of these athletes eat and yet have and and i think that one of the jokes i'm going to make is about because uh, our athletes do get accused of being on drugs mm. By, by basically jealous, non-genetically gifted individuals. Sure. When you you compare, you know, some of our guys versus people who have like, failed drug tests and, um, you know, the difference is, is unbelievable. But the difference between our guys and the regular gym goer and you've got a 16-year-old girl, an 18-year-old girl, you know, clean and jerking, snatching twice as much as most guys... It's, oh, well, they must be on drugs. Oh, they're weightlifters. Mm. Uh, I suppose that's why I specifically put the drug-free strength athletes diet. Yeah. And uh, so, and I'm going to talk a, a very, very briefly about, um, uh, you know, the contribution of training and genetics, but then looking at really what are the key things for, for strength. And, um, yeah, I think people will be surprised to see what, what you know, um, competitive lifts and training these guys are doing and and matching it up with their diet because they will just think it'll look like a bodybuilder's diet and it mm. doesn't um yeah so i think yeah that's one of the things and oh sorry so when i was saying about this theoretical model and and you said what things have i noticed the things that i've noticed are that they're human beings yeah. and and they are hard to work with just mm. like every human being is mm. so people sometimes oh i don't want to be a personal trainer anymore I, I i don't want to do nutrition for um uh people who want to lose weight i want to do it for athletes and i think maybe you said this it's just rung a bell but when you're a performance nutritionist in sport a lot of what you do is body composition anyway yeah um Many and it's times, yeah, yeah in, in in weird sports as well so it's like triathlon someone's burning like five thousand calories a day and they come to you i can't lose weight and it's like what <laughs> you you burn five thousand how can you not lose weight why are you coming to me um but yeah you know that they are people they have social lives um and so then taking that theoretical model and talking about okay, well, when you've got a real human being who doesn't uh, want to, you know, live in a certain way, then how do you adapt that to get, to still get, I suppose, the low-hanging fruit? So it's like, what things do you need to ensure? So like with weight loss, what do we need to ensure? Okay, well, let's, you mentioned it, protein. Mm. It, it Kind of looking at those areas of a, of a strength athlete's diet. And... Um, yeah, well, I think you just, you made a comment there, which I say all the time to people is you know athletes are not just athletes they're human beings first mm. um and and therein lies the bigger picture really because like you say they've got personal likes preferences they've got 
I mean, I, with the, I've started working um, with the uh, Great Britain fencing team, and mm. I mean, that's absolutely fascinating, except that for all the rocket science I want to get into, frankly, <laughs> it's not going to be a whole lot of sports nutrition. It's going to be more about just getting them to eat properly and actually remembering yeah. to bring their drinks to competitions and <laughs> you, yeah, know, yeah. you know all that stuff and you know how to deal with sweating in all that clothing they've got to wear you know but yeah. it, you know fundamentally it's some of them really don't really want to be interested in this stuff and and yeah. how do you get around that you know yeah. how do you get people to buy into eating a vegetable uh <laughs> that's uh that's it's funny you say that that's one of one of the things we cover on the mentorship is about um I don't know if it's in the compliance section, but is um, is buy-in is often more powerful than um, I suppose. It's a bit like when we say, "Well, actually, the best diet is someone something someone can adhere to." Yeah. At the same time, more powerful than any scientific knowledge is getting someone's buy-in, and we talk about different. One of my things early in my career when I did get success was people believed that anything I touched turned to gold, as it were. So you work with, you know, two or three very, you know, high-profile cases of great transformations. Yeah. And, um, you know, people contact you and are just like, oh, well, I've tried every diet under the sun and uh, this, this and this, but I'm going to pay you lots of money because you're, you've got the answer. And, and the thing was, I then got results with them, not because I probably did any, you know, I put them in a calorie deficit. Wow, you're clever. But they, they listened to it. Yeah. And so it's kind of like, no, right. it's so funny when you can say to someone, I often have a go at people who overemphasize the acid-base balance stuff and mm. prowl potential renal acid load. I take the mickey out of them because... But, but at the same time, it's, it's somewhat of a useful tool to overemphasize it because it's, oh, you're, you're too acidic mm. and uh, acidity promotes cancer. You know, use the most horrible disease to try and get people to eat vegetables. Mm. All they're saying is just eat some veg. Exactly. And, yeah. But the problem is, is then people, it's, it's not good to be untrue and to exaggerate because then people go, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't be eating meat, you know, and then, you know, whether or not they are eating enough or too much is is not the question. It's that they suddenly believe that meat is bad for them because it's yeah. acidic. Yeah. So um yeah. but but it is funny because you do get buy-in by overcomplicating and you know like the paleo diet, you give something a name, you give it a flashy cover. Yeah. Yeah. And you, if you just said someone don't eat processed foods, um which is basically the strongest element of the paleo diet, mm. they would listen to you. And don't eat um, vegetables, but you put it on a magical band list because mm. it's going to give them, you know, X Y autoimmune disorder, <laughs> and they're like, oh yeah, I'm eating loads more veg, and I've cut out. Do you uh, uh, actually? It's, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, these are things you observe over the years, decades in my case. I mean, I have to say that I often sit down with people who say, right, I'm doing a paleo diet for example, just as an example. Yeah. And then you start talking to them about it, and then you're going, hang on, for everything you've just told me, that's not a paleo diet. Yeah. You're, having, you're, having, you're having whey, protein, yeah. so uh, that comes from cows. Yeah. Uh, you're, you know, you're doing this, you're doing that, and it, actually it's interesting how people, be, they believe in something, mm. feel that they're doing something, but perhaps they're not really even doing that. And I guess it's the buy-in to that, um, the brand, the... The, the you know the, the sheer weight that that these things have like you say the acid alkaline thing the 
the you know the, I, I it is fascinating and those are the things that we as practitioners have to deal with and i think that it's worth spending time listening to the just total tripe that is on twitter and and uh, on the internet um listening to some of the nut jobs that are out there because that is what people listen to and believe in mm. um and often many of these people believe in what they're saying because they don't know any other you know mm. they don't know any better because uh, they believe in it themselves of course and it's sort of a fascinating sort of nutritional cult or cults that exist out there um absolutely Wonderful. fascinating one thing that um, when I, I suppose early in my Twitter career, um, I, when I was just kind of, kind of started following Graham Close, yeah. one of the things he said was um, that he he spent he spends most of his time when or you know I, maybe I'm misquoting him, but he spends most of his time re-educating people out of their beliefs rather than actually giving them new information. Mm. And um, that just rang so true to me, and we ended up kind of bonding over it, I suppose. But it, 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 at the same time, I'm sure I would have much less work um, career-wise if there weren't these, or and and I'd have much less pizzazz if there weren't these people um, saying all the wrong things. And if yeah. you know, again, I talk quite a lot, I suppose, about government guidelines, um, advice given in, say, hospitals or schools and, um, you know, government-accredited uh, qualification sites as dietetics and the way that that has historically been taught, you know, again, if it wasn't for the wrong information that is given there, I'd feel like I wouldn't have as much work. But at the same time, I think the world would be a lot happier if it wasn't for people trying to make a quick buck out yeah. of, <clears throat> obviously not the government side of things, but on the flip side, the, you know, zealots and personal trainers who turn into, um, you know, experts overnight. Um, yeah. So I'll, you know, that, yeah, I mean, fortunately I'm pleased to say that, um, the bulk, well, no, all of our listeners are pretty switched on people. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, they would have dropped this podcast ages ago if, if they hadn't done that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, look, we don't know everything, um, was you know it's a very fluid science, um, mm. but there are certain areas that are just you know ridiculous, and and of course those tend to be the areas that are overly popularised by you know these these sort of Twitter gurus and 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 so on. Um, listen, we're sort of at the end here. Um, uh, we've sort of talked about all kinds of of things. I know that the Listeners uh, that can make it are going to um, uh, want to come hear you uh, present at the Epic Fitness Summit that's in May. Um, they can learn more about that at the um, epic-summit.co.uk. Um, there's a, a, a if, if folks want to get a discount to that, you just use the code Guru EFS um, Epic Fitness Summit Guru EFS. Speaking of gurus, um, and um, I know that you've got all kinds of stuff going on. I know you've lectured for us on the ISSN diploma. I've, I keep meaning to ask you to come back again this year, so we'll talk about that offline. <laughs> um, but also, your mentorships, are I certainly recommend those. Uh, I've had quite a few students attend your mentorships, and they've always raved about them, so that's a, a little plug for you there. Uh, but how do people learn more about you and your practice? Yeah, so... Um... 
uh, two websites. One is mac-nutrition.com, um, and that's obviously that's actually being fully relaunched, and that's I'm really looking forward to that. Hopefully next week, and um, lots of new resources and stuff on there. And then me personally, I've got martin-macdonald.com now, which there isn't a great deal of. Uh, information on there i'm going to start writing again due to public demand but um that's got a lot of what i have done and i suppose it's quite interesting to look at some of that stuff and it's got my personal clinics on there and then um yeah main place where i've got everything is twitter you know i do enjoy being on twitter i do enjoy you enjoy it you enjoy it so much that i (laughs) i i find myself being constantly amused by some of the things that you say which includes uh what i what i sense is a highly tuned um, uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, um, uh, oh I'm about to forget the word um, uh, uh, skepticisms and um, cynicisms and um, yeah, yeah you, it's hilarious and I think the, I think sometimes if people read your tweets out of context they won't get it. <laughs> No, yeah, it's so yeah. like I, some of your. I've had some really nice messages from um, various people on your um, that you've had as guests on your podcast that follow me on on Twitter, and oh, good. Uh, I've got to know them. And they sort of say, I, I got one recently, and I, I think I maybe mentioned it on on my podcast was, and I read it out, but I didn't name the person because I still don't know if he he minds me saying it. Because sometimes there's that whole thing of if you're linked to Martin McDonald, you're a bad egg. Like I've, I've still got a little bit because I was a bit more strong than I am now. I hold back so much, yeah. but until people, I suppose, have heard me speak or in person and realise it is a lot of it is just a sort of dry sense of humour. Absolutely, but, you know, and and that I do have a balanced view this one person sort of said oh I just thought you I just thought you hated dietitians and that you shouldn't eat breakfast but actually I've realized that you're a really um client-centered you know evidence-based individual and it was really touching to receive it but um no you just advocate eating dietitians for breakfast (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, well that yeah in a in a past life a little bit too much Uh, yeah so those at martin nutrition is my twitter and uh, great yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. look, you've got loads of experience. You've been, you know, you're a significant practitioner, you're very well known, and and you've got a lot to add to, Thanks. you know, the information that's out there. And I'm looking forward to hearing you speak. And uh, no doubt, I'll bump into you um, in the very near future. Sure. Okay. So welcome, uh, welcome. Thanks for listening, folks, to this um, epic fitness special edition podcast. Uh, I, of course, am Laurel Bannock, and look forward to bringing another podcast back to you soon of course you can learn all about the podcast at guruperformance.com